Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Every year, 9 billion chickens are killed in the United States. 9 billion. And that is more than 16 times the number of cows, pigs, and laying hens. So it's a massive, massive industry. So when Mercy for Animals is evaluating our priorities and our corporate work, uh, working with companies on broiler chicken policies is so critical because one policy from one company has the potential to impact many thousands, if not millions of lives of animals over the years. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 215. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Happy Sunday, veggie lovers. Welcome to another episode of Veggie Doctor Radio. Today, I speak with Jennifer Bear, who is a corporate relations specialist at Mercy for Animals. It's a really interesting conversation. And definitely some of the stuff I probably don't talk about enough on the podcast. And I hope that you will stick around and listen to it because it's lots of great information. So like I said, Jennifer Bear is Corporate Relations at Mercy for Animals. And she works with companies throughout the food industry to implement a set of welfare standards for broiler chickens, the Better Chicken Commitment. Mercy for Animals recently published their first ever Count Your Chickens report, which examines which companies are demonstrating progress towards their promised welfare improvements for chickens. So I wanted to also tell you what Mercy for Animals is quickly. In the podcast episode, Jennifer also talks about Mercy for Animals, but quote, Mercy for Animals exists to end one of the greatest causes of suffering on the planet, the exploitation of animals for food, in particular industrial animal agriculture, aquaculture, and fishing. These forms of food production cause egregious animal suffering and have detrimental effects on the planet and people. Mercy for Animals is dedicated to eradicating this cruel food system and replacing it with one that is not just kind to animals, but essential for the future of our planet and all those who share it. Mercy for Animals is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and is highly recognized as one of the world's most effective charities working to end the exploitation of animals for food. So in this episode, we talk about what Mercy for Animals is, what kind of work that they do. We also talk about Jennifer's vegan journey and how she ended up working in the animal advocacy area arena. We talk a lot about the Count Your Chickens report, what it is, how you can find it, talk about factory farms, and how she views companies as far as their practices, whether they're humane or not, the best thing and the worst thing or the hardest thing about doing the work that she does, and a little bit more about how you, if you're not already plant-based, can start making changes to eat more plants and less animals. And don't worry, you don't have to go overnight vegan. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. If that is not the right way for you, then that's not the way to do it. Little by little is the way that some people go, and that's fine. So I think you're really gonna like this episode. It's a great conversation, and you'll probably learn some statistics you haven't ever heard before, and they may be a little bit shocking. So I really appreciate you tuning into this episode and every week. Thank you so much, my loyal listeners. I love you so much. And now, without further ado, here is Jennifer Bear of Mercy for Animals. 
Jennifer Bear, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited to be here. I have to say that I have been a supporter of Mercy for Animals for years, a long time, maybe even a decade, because I've been vegan now. It'll be 11 years next month. So I found Mercy for Animals pretty early on, and I love the work that you're doing, but I'm excited to learn even more about this organization. So tell me more about what is Mercy for Animals and what work does this organization do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for for being a supporter and yeah, happy to talk a little bit more about the organization. So Mercy for Animals is the world's largest international farmed animal protection organization. And we are on a mission to change our food system to be one that is more sustainable, more compassionate and more just for everybody. And a major part of that mission is moving away from industrialized animal agriculture, which is so prevalent nowadays, and moving more towards uh, a plant-based food system that relies more heavily on plant-based and and vegan eating. Um, And we have operations here in the United States, as well as Canada, Mexico, Brazil, and India. And I would say something that is very notable about Mercy for Animals is that we take a very multifaceted approach to our mission. So for example, we have various teams who work on different aspects of our mission. So for example, we have teams who work on public engagement. So really educating the general public at large about why farmed animal welfare is so important and why there's such a need for improvements there, as well as the multitude of benefits of of plant-based eating for your health, for the planet, and of course, for the animals. We have teams who do um, amazing undercover investigative work, both on farms and in slaughterhouses. Um, That is, you know, extremely impactful uh, when we're talking about educating the public about what really goes on behind the scenes in these industries. Um, We also have a corporate relations team, which is actually the team that I am currently working on. And the work that we do on this team is very exciting because we actually have the ability to collaborate with major companies all throughout the food industry to establish really meaningful uh, animal welfare policies that have a very wide reaching impact on the number of animals that they're able to um, to, to, uh, to have an impact on without in the food industry. Um, we also, uh, within our corporate affairs team, work to um, expand the uh, variety and accessibility of plant-based food options uh, throughout the restaurant industry. So um, we're a very busy organization, but uh, you know, I it's it's a wonderful, wonderful place to work, and I really, really do believe in in the mission and what we're doing. I love it. That's a lot of different things. I'm curious, especially since you work in the corporate affairs piece of the organization, what are the attitudes of leadership in some of these organizations, these companies that raise animals for food? When they're approached by an organization like Mercy for Animals, is there a lot of defensiveness and just like, you know, trying to justify things or do people seem open to it and acknowledge that, yeah, we don't necessarily want to do it this way. This is just the way it's been done. What do you usually encounter? It is, I mean, it really runs the gambit, but I would say that, you know, I've been working in corporate relations throughout the animal protection movement for, you know, many years now. And I am optimistic uh, in that in many of the conversations that I have with companies, there really is a bit of a reckoning that, you know, companies are interested in establishing these higher welfare policies and also expanding their offerings of plant-based options, not just because it's something that mercy for animals wants them to do, but because it's something that consumers want them to do. I mean, companies really are aware that consumers are demanding a wider variety of plant-based and vegan options, but also for consumers who who do choose to consume animal products for whatever reason, that they really do care about the welfare of farmed animals and that they want them to, you know, hopefully at the very minimum, eliminate some of the cruelest practices in factory farming. And I, I want to be very clear about 
about that, that, you know, at Mercy for Animals and, you know, I, we can talk about the specifics of the changes that we're advocating for uh, later in, later on, but um, we are really trying to focus on eliminating the cruelest practices that are so rampant throughout um, animal agriculture. Um, that is that is really our mission when it comes to working uh, with these corporations on their welfare policies. Yeah. And that's such important work. I know that there's so many different perspectives when it comes to animal advocacy and the people that are just like, no, we must flat out eliminate all animals used for for meat and for food immediately and take no other options. But I feel like in the world we live in, that's still so far away that everything we can do to help these animals suffer less is going to be beneficial for them. Even when it's hurts our hearts as vegans to be like, oh, but they're still getting killed for food. I know that that's really tough, but any little step we can make is going to improve their lives too. So thank you for doing that work. I also would love for you to comment on the explosion of plant-based products, not just from companies that are exclusively selling plant-based products, but now companies that also sell animal products. What are you seeing there in that market? It's a very, very exciting, uh, you know, exciting to see. And I think that, as you said, the variety that we see companies offering simply speaks for itself. Um, it is very apparent that it's a win-win for companies when they start to offer plant-based options. You know, it broadens the consumers who are able to go in and, you know, sit at that restaurant or shop this certain brand of a product. Um, and I think it really does speak to the fact that, again, consumers wield such tremendous power whether we're talking about, uh, you know, the expansion of vegan and plant-based menu options or the expansion of uh, welfare policies throughout the food industry. I mean, I think that it really does speak to the fact that when consumers, you know, speak up and show companies what they're looking for and, and what kind of uh, welfare that they're willing to accept from a company's policies, that companies will react to that. And also, more importantly, um, you know, it becomes like sort of like a, a wave that builds where one company establishes a policy or, or sets a goal and then another one. And then, you know, soon a company will look around and say, we're the only ones who don't have this policy. We need to we need to take action. And that's when we really start to see um, see see these policies have a very large influence throughout the industry. Yes, this is such a powerful thing that I want my listeners to really take heed on is that your purchase matters. You are voting with your dollars. You are what matters to these companies and what choices you make. And just like you're saying, when more companies start doing this, the ones that aren't doing it, they're going to see it affecting their bottom line. And that's highly motivating to them. So that's how we help affect these changes. And every little bit, every person who makes that choice to eat less animal products, eat more plant-based products, we're going to see that tide turning slowly. So that's really, really important. Well, let's back up a little bit because I want to hear about your vegan journey and how you came to work for Mercy for Animals. That's a very interesting story. So my vegan story, to be honest, probably starts back when I was in college. I was taking um, a bunch of courses in public health. I actually minored in public health when I was in college. And I had an amazing professor who really exposed us to a lot of different ideas and, and ways of thinking. And she would often host documentary nights. And so one of these documentary nights, we watched Forks Over Knives. And I, previous to that, to, I'll be honest, I thought that being vegan was weird. I thought that it was something that like only hippies did. Like I really was like, I, that's not for me, like not interested. Um, and then I watched this documentary and I was like, wow, okay, there's actually some pretty compelling evidence that eating uh, food that comes from animals is detrimental to your health and that maybe eating more plants is good for you. And I was like, okay, like kind of interesting. Maybe I'll just like give it a Google when I'm back in my dorm room. And I did. And then, you know, of course, when you Google, you know, vegan diet, vegan recipes, uh, you know, you find websites like Mercy for Animals and you see investigations footage. And it wasn't until I really saw the cruelty, the animal welfare side of it, um, just seeing 
the widespread suffering that happens on factory farms, that's really what made me take a step back and say, okay, this has changed the way that I look at meat. This has, you know, I, it doesn't look like food anymore. It looks like, you know, something really, really terrible. And so I went vegetarian pretty much like on the spot. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, huh, okay, I'm just going to try this. If it's hard, if I, if, I, if I don't feel good, if I'm starving, if I have no energy, I can always go back to eating meat. And it's, you know, one week went by and then two and then three and then four and everything was fine. And I was like, huh, I think I can do this. And then uh, a couple years after that, a year or so after that, I decided to um, be fully vegan because I was like, well, you know, the dairy industry and the egg industry are definitely not, um, I wouldn't call them cruelty-free industries either. So I uh, decided to be fully vegan and have not, have not looked back. It has been, it's been great. And it, you know, I, I did not start off my career in the animal protection space. I started in a totally unrelated field, but this really quickly became my passion and something that I really felt like it was something I wanted to spend my life working towards because I really, really do believe that uh, widespread industrialized factory farming uh, is the source of so many problems in the world. And helping to create a more compassionate food system is such a such a worthwhile cause in my opinion such a beautiful story thank you for sharing it i'm curious before you started seeing footage of factory farming did you consider yourself like an animal person or an animal lover were you that kind of person yes and that is such a funny question and i think that's part of what um contributed to that sort of you know, we always hear the phrase cognitive dissonance when we talk about uh, about people real making the connection that, you know, your chicken nugget was at one point a tiny little baby chick, you know, coming to that realization. Yeah, I mean, my family, we always had cats and dogs. We, you know, I definitely considered myself an animal person. I loved animals. I still love animals. Um, but I, yeah, I think that was the, the step back where I was like, hold on, like, how would I feel if instead of you know, a slaughterhouse full of, of pigs or cows. It was like a slaughterhouse full of dogs or cats. And I was like, that does not feel good <laughs> to think about that picture. Um, and, you know, of course, I would say that my my views and my understanding of the industry have definitely matured since then. But uh, I think at the very core, it is sort of that um, that visceral feeling of, you know, these animals are conscious, feeling, uh, beings. And if there is any way for us to, uh, if not eliminate, then lessen their suffering, that is worth pursuing. Yeah. Ugh. Was there any point in your journey where you felt overwhelmed by it all and just were like feeling helpless and hopeless, disempowered? I mean, I think that no matter what field you're working in, whether it's animal advocacy or whether you're just working in, in, in any kind of job, you're always going to have days where you feel frustrated and worn down and maybe even a little bit burnt out. I think working in uh, the animal protection movement or any, any sort of social justice movement, um, compassion fatigue is absolutely something that comes up so much. Um, it's something that, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work in environments where that is that is acknowledged and recognized. And it's something that I feel it's really important when you're working in animal protection to be cognizant of that, just so that you can sort of, um, you know, be aware of ways to be sustainable in your advocacy. Because that's the thing is that if you burn out, uh, that is not helping anybody. You know, that's certainly not helping the cause that you're working on. It's not helping yourself. And I think I came to that realization of, you know, knowing I wanted to work in this field for the for the long haul. And how do you do that without becoming overwhelmed? And I, I don't think that there's any one easy answer. It's different for everybody. But I think something that is uh, encouraging is looking at going back to our corporate work, all of the companies that have committed to, you know, improving their animal welfare standards, companies that you would have never thought in a million years, perhaps, that they would have, uh, you know, started to improve welfare standards or offer vegan options for that matter. I mean, we're really living in an incredible time where uh, the world is, is changing how it views the relationship of, of animals in our food system. So that is what, what, keeps me inspired and, uh, and really makes me so excited to see 
what else, what other change is going to happen in the coming years. Yeah, that's beautiful. We definitely have to keep perspective and notice how far we have come, even though sometimes it feels like it's just not moving fast enough. But I, I'm really grateful for people like you because I do consider this some of the hardest work. My oldest son is 17 and one evening we somehow, you know, he's trying to decide what he wants to do with his future and what he wants to pursue. And working for an animal advocacy, you know, organization came up and I was telling him the plethora of different things you can do. Like they need lawyers, you know, Dr. Gregor, he's a doctor. And then I told him about under people that go undercover. And I think that that's gotta be the hardest job ever. Like the people that have the courage and the bravery to do undercover work, not even just because it is dangerous, but also just because you have to be right there witnessing some of the horrors that are happening in animal agriculture. It's just incredible that there's people that are willing to do that. So we need people that to help animals in all different kinds of ways. And there's so many opportunities to do that advocacy. So thank you for your work. I appreciate it so much. All right, let's talk about the Count Your Chickens report. What is that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll take a step back uh, and sort of set the scene about what the Count Your Chickens report is and why it came to be. Um, so the Count Your Chickens report is a uh, report that examines companies' progress towards meeting their welfare goals that they have set for broiler chickens. And broiler chickens uh, are chickens who are raised for their meat, as opposed to laying hens, uh, which are chickens that lay eggs for the egg industry. Um, and it's it sounds like such a fundamental thing, but that's actually something that I, I did not know before I started this work, was that those are two different kinds of chickens. So the Count Your Chickens report uh, is essentially looking at which companies are making progress towards a set of standards that they have committed to meet called the Better Chicken Commitment. So the Better Chicken Commitment is a set of science-backed welfare standards that are essentially the bare minimum improvements needed to meaningfully improve the welfare of broiler chickens throughout the industry. Um, more than 200 companies throughout North America and more than 400 companies globally have committed to meeting these welfare standards for broiler chickens between the years of 2024 and 2026. So essentially, companies made these policies, started making these policies several years ago, and this report is taking taking a look at which companies are actually reporting progress towards these welfare standards. And I think that this is very important because, you know, it's important that companies not only establish these policies on paper, but it's so important that they show follow through and actually demonstrate again to their consumers who are really the main stakeholders here, that they are really putting in the work and making the changes within their supply chain to benefit these animals. Um, and just to speak briefly about the broiler chicken industry, because I think that, um, you know, oftentimes the average person who eats meat, who's walking into a grocery store or sitting down at a restaurant may not really know what goes on behind the scenes in this industry. So first of all, the scope of the industry is truly truly massive. Every year, 9 billion chickens are killed in the United States, 9 billion. And that is more than the more than 16 times the number of cows, pigs, and laying hens. So it's a massive, massive industry. So when Mercy for Animals is evaluating our priorities and our corporate work, uh, working with companies on broiler chicken policies is so critical because one policy from one company has the potential to impact many thousands, if not millions of lives of animals over the years. So it's, it's extremely high priority work. Um, you know, the majority of chickens who are bred uh, for meat in the United States come from uh, breeds who have a very unnaturally high rate of growth. They've actually been bred over a series of years to put on an unnatural 
an unnatural amount of weight very quickly. And, you know, the idea is that they gain as much weight in as short of a time as they can. Um, but this is extremely detrimental to their health and their overall well-being. Uh, their legs often have trouble supporting the weight of their upper bodies. And as a result, they have trouble walking. They are sometimes fully immobilized. The conditions where these animals live, it's very crowded uh, in barns. Oftentimes they're living in their own waste. They can develop red, irritated skin, sores, their feathers fall out in patches. Even the air is very acrid because it's soaked with the ammonia from their waste. It's, it's really, um, you know, certainly there is much change and much improvement needed. And that's really what the BCC uh, standards, uh, where they come in, is that it establishes the minimum set of improvements that is needed to meaningfully make change for these animals. Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it? I love my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy, it's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water and in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing and a few days after that, you can start eating them and it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them and they're really happy that you're eating them and your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part, because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy. So I don't wanna have to use any mental energy that I don't need to. And they send you seed quilts every month. So you don't run out, you can change what seed quilts you want to try. So here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have. Hearty broccoli, refreshing cabbage, energizing kale, spicy daikon radish, super salad mix. You can even get wheatgrass, you can get culinary cilantro, or even hot wasabi mustard. So there's lots to choose from. They have different flavors. They're so cute and they're health promoting. So you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful. I also use them for garnish when I'm making soups and salads and different bowls. You can impress your guests. But like I said, it's going to be low energy cost on your part. And it's actually not that expensive either. The other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit, which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste. So you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root, the white part at the bottom, you stick it in these little holes and then you just put the water in there and it grows. And then you can keep eating the same green onions. You just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food. So if you wanna give it a try, you've been curious about microgreens, and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing. Hey humans, I know you want to eat healthier, but feel strapped for time. And even the thought of meal planning and cooking stresses you out. Well, have you considered trying a meal kit service? Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that make it easy to stick to a healthy living routine. Find recipes for every lifestyle, including plant-based diets. Green Chef delivers quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients, including low added sugar and sodium smart options. You get to choose from 80 plus flavor packed options that allow you to take back time in your kitchen with dinner ready in 30 minutes and lunch in 10. Try 15 plus new recipes every week. But here's the best part. Green Chef delivers everything you need to make convenient, wholesome, and delicious meals directly to your doorstep. Each meal kit includes pre-measured ingredients, as well as some produce that comes already pre-chopped and custom sauces that are pre-made in-house. They also provide the recipe cards and the meals are really simple to make. It's a delicious, fresh, home-cooked meal without the hassle. What I love the most about Green Chef is that it takes the stress out of cooking. The recipes are easy to follow and everything you need is included. So even the less experienced cooks in your house can make a delicious home cooked meal. 
it's perfect for those seasons in your life that you're really busy with your kids' sports and school events. Hello, spring, and time is limited, especially if you want fresh, home-cooked, healthy meals to put on the table. So if you're feeling frustrated by the lack of time to eat healthy and you are ready to try Green Chef and see how easily you can integrate it into your healthy lifestyle, go to greenchef.com forward slash I am human five zero and use code I am human five zero to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com forward slash I am human five zero and use the code I am human five zero to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with products intended to bring your mind and body back in harmony. They consider themselves a by women and for women company, and they now offer a nutrient-dense green powder called Daily Nutri-Greens. Myself and my staff here at Nourish Wellness all tried the Daily Nutri-Greens, and we loved it. The Daily Nutri-Greens contain an immune antioxidant and detox blend, along with prebiotics, probiotics, and over 35 fruits and veggies. It also contains other important nutrients, such as B12, iron, iron, zinc, and selenium. The daily greens are certified organic and all you have to do is mix it with water, but you can also easily add to your smoothies, your oatmeal, or your baked goods. The daily Nutri-Greens are vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. And another bonus is that the packaging is compostable. Yay! When I tried the apple banana daily Nutri-Greens, I was surprised by the pleasant and mild flavor. It was easy to prepare and drink and didn't leave any aftertaste. And I felt great afterwards. It's really easy to create a daily ritual around your green drink. Integrate it into your daily self-care routine. A green powder is one way to fill the gap in daily nutrition and is an easy and convenient way to get in your greens. These powders are a great way to add more nutrients into your diet during busy times, travel, and transitions in life when you don't have time or access to fresh green veggies. If you're interested in trying Equilibria's daily Nutri-Greens, head to myeq.com and use code Dr. Yami, that's D-R-Y-A-M-I, for 15% off Equilibria's daily Nutri-Greens and much more. That's myeq.com and use code Dr. Yami, D-R-Y-A-M-I, at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And certainly... Um, you know, I wouldn't say again that that any any chicken is cruelty free chicken. Certainly not. You know that there's a reason that uh, so many of us are vegan because you know we don't support eating meat in any facet. But within the industry, the BCC is a very meaningful change, and it represents um, a, a really strong elevation in the welfare for these animals. Thank you for summarizing that. I think that a lot of people when they think of animals being raised for food, they think of this small family farm and you have these happy chickens clucking around, walking around outside in the grass and you have the cows grazing and everybody's happy and joyful. But really the majority of the animals we consume in this country are coming from factory farms. So can you tell us more about factory farms and how common are they? Yeah, factory farms are extremely common in the United States. The vast, vast majority of animals, including broiler chickens who are raised for food in the U.S., do come from these monolithic factory farms where, you know, millions and millions of animals, uh, you know, live and are then sent to slaughterhouses. And just to go back to broiler chickens, when we talk about the lifespan of these animals, it is really staggering when you when you think about it and, and put it in sort of a, a timeline perspective that these animals are only really permitted to live for five to seven weeks before they're sent to slaughter. They're they're very young, but even within that short time frame, their lives are full of of much suffering. Um, 
you know, going back to the, the topic of the rate of growth of these animals, as I said, it has been altered throughout the course of many years to be rapid, to be unnatural. Um, and I believe one study even said that the, the equivalent of the rate of growth of these chickens is having a two-month-old human baby who weighs 600 pounds. The Whoa. genetics of these animals has been very, very altered. Um, and that really has a, has a detrimental impact on their overall health and welfare. Um, certainly, you know, the slaughter process, there's lots of welfare concerns uh, with that as well. And this, the, the Better Chicken Commitment also advocates for a, a method of processing the animals that is, you know, again, not cruelty free, but certainly uh, has been proven to be much more humane than the conventional method that's used in the industry. So many people eat chicken because they think it's healthier than eating beef. Of course, we've been told a lot, don't eat red meat and, you know, some of these other dark meats in the animal meat products. And so then they just choose chicken. And it's, I think that's one of the reasons why it's exploded. I mean, 9 billion chickens killed per year. I can't even like fathom that number. That's incredible. And the other thing, you know, I, I think it's important for people that, that really want to see what this is like. You can look it up online. You can see what these factory farms are like, but it's not, they're in a building. Everybody's together, literally on top of each other. And they, one of the other things that they routinely do is control light exposure because they keep the chickens in the light so that they'll also mature faster. It does something to the, I think probably because it's stressful. It probably triggers cortisol, which makes them grow even faster. So there's all these things that happen in these poor little chickens' short lives that their entire life is suffering. Yeah. And in fact, only, or rather, I will say one in 20 birds roughly does not even make it to the slaughterhouse. One in 20 birds dies when they're still in the barn before they're even old enough to be slaughtered, which again is just five to seven weeks. So clearly this is not an environment that is particularly conducive to the health or well-being of these animals. And I think that you put it so perfectly when you said that people, when they imagine agriculture, they imagine a, a farm. I mean, even saying the word farm, you imagine clear blue skies, rolling green pastures, fresh open air. And that is not at all what it's like. It's, it is a closed, usually a closed building. Um, you know, there's different systems of production within the broiler welfare industry, but there are common uh, issues of welfare that are just so rampant, um, really, on any, within the standard industry practice. I mean, when I, when I mentioned that one in 20 mortality rate, that's essentially baked into the business model. It's understood that a certain portion of these animals are going to suffer and die before they even make it to the slaughterhouse. So, um, you know, it's, it's the change. It's difficult to talk about, but it's the change that we're working on. And, uh, you know, Mercy for Animals has been, you know, has been a leader in this. You know, we, we have been collaborating with, with hundreds and hundreds of companies over the years on establishing higher welfare policies, um, not just for broiler chickens, but for laying hens and, and other, other sorts of welfare policies. So, um, that is what keeps you, uh, keeps you motivated is looking at all the work that's been accomplished and, and being excited about what, what's still to come. Yeah. You've said many times so far in this interview that really none of this is cruelty free because at the end of the day, you're still exploiting animals and killing them. <laughs> so, but Whenever we talk about humane practices and, and people are always searching for more humane ways if they want to eat meat, in the industry as a whole, are humane practices something that's common or is it pretty rare? Is it more common that you're going to see routine inhumane practices that are practiced normally across the board? I mean, I, I hesitate to say a humane practice. I would say, you know, more humane or less cruel. Um, but I would say that through corporate work, uh, you know, hopefully we will see a change where these practices, these worst practices that I'm talking about start to become 
less and less common or, you know, we start to see the scales shift. And really, um, you know, personally for myself, you know, I, I am a vegan, but I can I can also understand that for someone looking for for products that are raised with higher welfare attributes, um, you know, that is started. We are starting to see a shift, which is very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the best thing about doing the work that you do? I think that the best thing about doing the work that I do is knowing that it is having an impact for animals and knowing that by working with companies, um, it's almost it's giving a voice to consumers in, in a major way. You know, again, consumers care about animal welfare. Consumers care about the environment. Um, you know, they want to know more than ever where their food comes from. And I think that uh, companies, you know, across the board are starting to really put a lot of effort and work into their sustainability initiatives, of course, um, and, and animal welfare initiatives as well. So I think the best thing about our work is is knowing that through collaborating with companies, we're able to have an even bigger impact for animals. What's the hardest thing about what you do? That's a tricky one. The hardest thing is, you know, it's it's acknowledging the reality of the situation, you know, seeing investigation footage, thinking about the fact that these animals are suffering, but that is in in another way it's also very motivating because it's that's the reason for the work that we're doing. So that's the it's a bit of a double-edged sword there. Yeah. It's hard, especially if you're a very empathetic person to watch footage. I mean, there's definitely things, even sometimes reading descriptions for me, I feel like it gets burned into my memory permanently. So, I mean, I've done episodes before talking about empathy. And I think that sometimes when people have a lot of empathy, it makes it even harder for them to acknowledge what's happening because it's so, so painful for them. So that cognitive dissonance, you know, it just puts that block, it's almost like a protective mechanism to help protect your heart from the pain of knowing that some of these animals are suffering so much and it's so routine. Like I said, I commend you for the work you do and I thank you for that. I think that you bring up a really good point about empathy and that's why it's so helpful to have a support system and a community of people who feel a similar way to you, who are also aware of these issues, who you can talk to, who you can vent to, who you can just, you know, even laugh with or, you know, try to find some some levity, you know, at the end of a stressful day. Um, it really is so important to have a support system. I feel like in some ways, working within the animal protection space is very helpful in that regard because you're working on a team of people who all are animal lovers who all really believe in the mission and who who get it and who get that empathy can be a blessing and a curse and they get that burnout is is so easy to to reach these days. Um, I feel like previously when I was not yet working in the movement, but um, but was was becoming very very passionate about it, it it can feel alienating because you know you want to talk about this, you want to express your interests and. Um, I'm sure we've all heard a million and one jokes about vegans by now, but it's 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 a lot more. Uh, I'll tell you, the vegan jokes that vegans tell with it amongst themselves are, are way funnier than any vegan jokes that, that <laughs> someone who's not would tell. But yeah, it's. I think it's great to to work on a team of, of like-minded people as well. Yeah, you're right. Community is so important for so many things, but it's also part of the pillars of lifestyle medicine too. So just for general well-being, joy and longevity in our lives, we do need to be deliberate about connecting with others, having those conversations, having that time with other people that makes us feel loved and connected. And it really does help decrease our stress levels. So thank you so much for that reminder. So important. What do you wish more people knew? You know what? Actually, I, I think I will say I wish that more people knew just how easy it is to, I won't say go vegan overnight, you know, even though that is some people's story, but just how easy it can be to integrate more plant-based eating habits into your routine. I think that, again, going back to before I tried being vegetarian, before I tried being vegan, I was like, it's going to be so hard. Everything I eat has 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 animals in it. <laughs> um, but when you take a look at 
so many, how many options are out there, um, even things that you're already eating that are so easy to make a vegan version of, um, you know, you can start with one meal a day, you can start with one day a week, and you can just build from there. And, um, and it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I think that's something else is that if someone's interested in integrating more plant-based eating habits into their diet, it's not like they have to go 100% vegan overnight or else it doesn't count. I think every little bit counts and little steps turn into big steps and habits grow over time. And I would, you know, whenever someone says they're kind of interested in, in, in being vegan or kind of interested maybe in eating more plant-based options, it's just so exciting because it's, it's like starting all, you know, not, it's not starting all over again, but you get to experiment, you get to try new recipes, you get to learn about new foods that you like that maybe you didn't know before. Um, so I think that's something that I wish more people knew because I think there is a, a bit of a, a hesitancy sometimes around starting to eat more plant-based options or a bit of a stigma. And I just wish that more people knew that it's it's very easy, it's very fun, and it's nothing to be scared of. I love that. It made me think when you were saying that, you know, when people come up to veteran vegans, plant-based eaters, and they start talking about this, we may look super calm and collected on the outside, but on the inside, we are jumping up and down and screaming in enthusiasm. So just know that we're trying to keep our composure and not be overly enthusiastic and bombard you with too much information. But yeah, seriously, but it is so exciting because I find that the longer I've been plant-based, those people at the beginning of my journey that I thought they would never, they would never ever consider this, slowly they, everybody, you know, they come and they start changing and the people that you would least expect to be interested in this way of eating and living start to get curious about it for lots of different reasons, but I don't care the reason, I just want you to eat less animals. So whatever reason motivates you, just eat less animals. That would be, <laughs> that would be my, my ploy. I'm personally right there with you. That is, that's how I feel as well. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a big party. Everybody's invited. If it's for the animals, if it's for your health, if it's for the environment, if it's because you find out you have a dairy allergy when you're 35 and you decide you can't have milk anymore, you know, everybody's invited. Let's come eat some vegetables together. I love it. Well, you kind of already answered this, but maybe you have a few other tips for this, but if people aren't ready to go exclusively plant-based, they're not ready to go 100% vegan, what are some other things that they can do to impact the lives of farm animals? And maybe we can also go back to the Count Your Chickens report and how people can use that to inform their decisions. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll speak first to the Count Your Chickens report um, because that is something that Mercy for Animals published very recently. And uh, we do have a website, countyourchickens.us, where people can go and read the report and also see which companies are highlighted in the report. So, you know, we were very happy and excited to highlight a number of companies who are not only uh, making progress towards these welfare initiatives, but also publicly showing that progress to their consumers and other stakeholders. Um, it's very exciting. However, we also did uh, name a few companies in the report who, despite having adopted these policies uh, years ago, have not been able to demonstrate progress publicly. Um, additionally, the report also mentioned several companies whose policies uh, have been removed from their websites. And so it's it's not clear, you know, what's happening with those policies. So um, I would definitely direct your listeners to countyourchickens.us to see the full report and to learn how you know you can you can get involved in the campaign and take action because that's really how these companies uh, oftentimes are able to hear the voice of consumers is, is when consumers speak up and say, look, we we care about animal welfare. You made a commitment to improve these welfare standards for chickens. And it's very important that that is, that's something that you follow through on. Um, so yes, if someone is not ready to go 100% vegan, I, I don't know if there's a better euphemism for saying cold turkey, maybe <laughs> cold, cold, cold tofu. tofu. Cold tofu. <laughs> if someone's not ready to say they're going to go cold tofu. Um, yeah, I think that, and I don't know, I wish I could give credit to the person who told me this, but I do not remember who it was. So I'll just say this is not my idea, but someone mentioned, you know, if you go into your kitchen right now and you look at what's in your refrigerator, what's in your cabinets, what's in your freezer, I bet that 
at least half, if not more of it, is probably already going to be vegan. I mean, so many things that we eat every single day are vegan foods, even if they're very basic, you know, any kind of fruit and veggie, any kind of lentil, any kind of grain, you know, any most seasonings like mustard and ketchup and um, even, you know, junk foods like potato chips and uh, Oreos, even pop, popcorn. <laughs> yeah, Doritos. Like there's lots and lots of things that we already eat every day that are quote unquote vegan foods that you may not necessarily, you know, not, not every vegan dinner needs to be a, um, a gourmet, you know, veganized bolognese, or it can be, and that's great. But, you know, a vegan dinner can also just be rice and beans and a salad or, you know, a veggie burgers and some, you know, a stir fry that you can make in, in 15 minutes. Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? Join the Plantscription. The Plantscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this plantastic community. I'm a, a newer mom. I have a 10 month old, not a brand new mom, but a newer mom. And something that my pediatrician told me once was, uh, you know, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work. So if it comes to sleeping arrangements or, you know, any scheduling, anything, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work. So I would say that piece of advice can also apply to being vegan. If it's not working for you, it doesn't work. So if you're not the kind of person who wants to eat kale smoothies every morning, even though that's very, very good for you and probably a lovely thing to do. Um, you know, you can have toast or, you know, with peanut butter on it or, you know, a, a frozen breakfast burrito from a vegan brand. I mean, there's a million different ways to, to start experimenting. So, um, find, yeah, just find something that works for you and, and stick to it and it'll become, it'll become so integrated into your routine before you know it. <laughs> I love that. And that's so true because if you aren't able to find an approach that you're comfortable with, it's not going to be sustainable. You know, you may have these images of what you want to be like, but if, if that doesn't fit within your lifestyle and what you have available to you right now, then you're not there yet. So start where you're at and then move from there, make it something that's sustainable. That's how I started. Like, I didn't know anything about veganism and I was just doing an experiment, but I did exactly what you said. I was having toast with peanut butter for breakfast and rice and beans for lunch and plain spaghetti with marinara at dinner. Like those were the things I knew. Okay. It doesn't have any animal products. That's how I started. And then I was just tuning in and paying attention. Okay. How am I feeling now? How am I feeling now? You know? And by the end of those 30 days, I was like, I feel amazing. I'm going to continue this. This is really great. So thank you for those tips. Okay, I would love to know how listeners can connect with Mercy for Animals and support the organization. You gave us the website for the Count Your Chickens report. Thank you. But if they want to learn more about Mercy for Animals, donate, become a monthly donor, how can they do that? Absolutely. So everything can be found on mercyforanimals.org. We have so many ways that you can get involved. Um, you can take action uh, with the, our corporate campaigns and let companies hear your voice and know that you want to see improvements for farmed animal welfare, that you want to see more plant-based menu options. You can also view um, our, our corporate reports on that website. You can view investigation footage. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter um, at Mercy for Animals. And uh, you can sign up for our email lists so you can always stay up to date on what we're doing. Um, and yeah, we would love to love to have you. And I chose Mercy for Animals for my Amazon Smile account. And, you know, I don't want to make myself look bad here, but I use Amazon a lot. So <laughs> I feel like I'm contributing a lot to Mercy for Animals just because of my shopping addiction. <laughs> don't talk to my husband about this. But that's oh, something boy. you can do, too, is you can go to 
your Smile Amazon account and you can select Mercy for Animals as one of the organizations that you can support with the donations there. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so congratulations for being a mom, by the way. And so my last question actually has to do with children. So leave us with your number one tip for parents wishing to raise children that make compassionate food choices. Well, as I mentioned, my, my baby is 10 months old. So he, uh, I don't know how many, how many food choices he's making. It's more just whatever I try to feed to him, but I will say, um, you know, I, I'm a bit of a newbie mom. I, maybe I'll check back in in a year or so once I, once I have a little more experience under my belt, but it is so interesting that, you know, Typically, babies will start to eat solid foods somewhere in the neighborhood of six months. And uh, at least in the case of my baby, he has really gravitated towards so many plant-based foods. I mean, he has a huge sweet tooth. Um, He seems to have been born with a sweet tooth. Any kind of fruit that you put in front of him, he is just over the moon about. He, speaking of, you know, pasta with marinara sauce, um, you know, he'll just dig his little fists into the spaghetti and smear the sauce all over his face. You know, it's, it seems to be second nature uh, to, to gravitate towards plant-based eating options. So um, I don't know if I have any advice. I would say, you know, give, offer them a variety of foods. And also I think that it's so funny, literally earlier today, I feel like I was Googling like picky eater baby, like <laughs> how to fix it. And, uh, and I, I saw something that said that oftentimes it can take, around 10 times or so to um, when you offer a new food to a kid for them to to get interested in it and to want to eat it. I'm sure you know far, far more about that phenomenon than myself. But that is that's something that was encouraging is like, okay, if he doesn't like broccoli the first time around, maybe he'll like it the 10th time around and we'll, we'll go yes. from there. <laughs> and actually, it's closer to 15 to 25 times. And I wrote a book on this subject, so I will mail you a copy (laughs) so you can have it. It'll help you. But yeah, a lot of those behaviors are just part of, of childhood. And all babies are born with a sweet tooth because milk is sweet. And so we need to like that in order to survive. So if babies were like born and they're like, oh, this is too sweet for me. I'm sorry. I can't eat this they would not live very long. So so yeah, (laughs) uh, milk is very sweet. So we, as humans, that's one of the reasons we like sweets so much is because literally we've been having sweets since the day we were born. So you have noticed a phenomenon that is true across humans. Well, Jennifer, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and telling us about Mercy for Animals and also about the Count Your Chickens report. We'll make sure we put all the links in the show notes. I hope that my listeners will go download the report, share it with your friends and families, especially if they're still eating chicken. Maybe remind them that there's 9 billion chickens killed per year, and that's a lot. And Go to Mercy for Animals and consider supporting them because they're doing amazing, amazing work. Jennifer, again, thank you so much. And I hope that you have a plantastic day. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Wow, y'all. I'm so glad I brought Jennifer on the show to talk about this important work that Mercy for Animals is doing. Here are my key takeaways. Consumer decisions matter. Vote with your wallet. And that matters in all things, but definitely in this area. Number two, broiler chickens suffer so much and live short, miserable lives. Nine billion chickens killed per year. That's a lot. If you still choose to eat chickens, then download the report and change your purchasing habits based upon what the report shows. Okay, so that count your chickens report, Link is in the show notes, download it so that you can see which companies are doing better at meeting some of these standards. Factory farms are not idyllic family farms. They are massive, industrial. They cause horrid conditions for the animals, for the workers, and for the environment. If you wanna learn a little bit more about this, I talked about it in episode 198 called Nourishing From Within, where I talk about environmental racism. I get a lot into factory farms and what they are and what problems they're causing. Eat more plants, eat less animals, you can do it. You don't have to go 100%. Even if you go in a stepwise fashion, little by little, replace your dairy with plant-based milk. There's so many options. Start eating more beans. 
that's always gonna be great, because remember, fiber. So you can do it little by little, even if you don't feel like you can do it overnight. And finally, check out Mercy for Animals and find other organizations that you can support that's doing this important advocacy work. Just like I said in this episode, there's some things that I would never be able to do. Like it would be too difficult for me. I don't think mentally and emotionally, I would have the capacity to manage my thoughts enough to do things like undercover work and to do some of this work day in and day out. There's people who are willing to do it, who are energized to do it, but we have to support these organizations. So advocate by donating and check out Mercy for Animals and the work that they're doing. Thank you so much, veggie lovers, for listening to this episode. If this resonates with you, let me know. Let me know if you like this kind of episode and you want to learn a little bit more about the other side of eating a plant-based vegan diet. I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.